Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Um, a couple weeks ago was Pentecost. Last Sunday, we talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit and how to follow the impulses of the Holy Spirit and the cravings of the Holy Spirit. And I want to continue a little bit in that vein today, talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I titled this message today, Spirit People. Spirit people. I tried to think of a better name, but that was just the best I could come up with. So spirit. So if you all have a better name for this after, I will take uh, suggestions after the service. So spirit people. Um, let, me, let me read you this quote from Ian Bounds. It says, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more or novel methods, but men who are holy who the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. What the church needs today is not another conference on how to do church. It's not a better system or program. What the church needs today is the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you ladies this afternoon are going to go on a camping trip. How many of you are going to go? Awesome. I'm jealous. I'm going to be honest. Going on a camping trip. And you know this, this trip, it's, it's kind of a retreat for you ladies. And it's going to be incredible. And uh, I'm jealous because I, I, I've heard the plans and I've heard the teachings that are going to be presented at this thing. And, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to be anointed. But you know why it's going to be powerful and anointed? Not because it was well organized, although it is much more well organized than the men's camping retreat was about a year ago. It's not because the methods are going to be good. It's because a lady has spent time soaking in the presence of God, preparing her heart and her mind and her spirit for this retreat coming up. And the Lord has been downloading things. And if you don't know, I'm talking about Miss Della Greentree. The Lord has, she has spent time in the presence of the Lord. And because of that, there's an anointing that is resting upon her. And we've seen it on Thursdays when we have our normal office day. We've, I've seen that anointing resting upon her and the excitement that's there, not just because she has good curriculum, but because she has a word from the Lord for you this weekend. And this weekend is, or this week is going to be powerful, not because it's well organized, but because there is somebody full of the Holy Spirit that is anointed that is going to begin to speak into your lives this weekend. The church doesn't need better methods. The church needs men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't need better curriculum. We don't need better worship songs. We don't need better programs. We need men and women who saturate themselves in the presence of God. That's what it it means in Romans when it says that the earth is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be manifested. It's not asking for better church programs. It's asking for the sons and daughters of God 
to be manifested. Amen? We need spirit people. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1, and it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or with wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And these next two verses you've heard here a lot on Sunday morning because I pray them almost every week. And my speech and my preaching, Paul says, were not with human words, or not, I'm sorry, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, there's something you need to know about the audience that Paul is speaking to here this, in, in this chapter, the church of Corinth. Corinth was a town that was, was very large. It, was, it would be compared to like the city of New York. Very large. It was a port city. So it was a place of trade. It was a place of diversity. Um, lots, of, lots of different religions. Lots of different philosophies. Um, it was the home of the temple of, of um, um, Aphrodite and her thousand prostitutes in the city. So I said it's like New York. It's really kind of like Las Vegas too. It's kind of a mix between the two. Just down the road from Corinth was the city of Athens. About, I think it was about 40, 47 miles away. Just down the road, there were neighboring cities. The, church, or the city of Athens is the home of philosophy. It's where philosophy and great thinkers were born. And in this place of Athens, there was a group of, of men um, that were called the Agrop. I think it was, I think you pronounce it the Agrappas. I think is how you say it. Um, better translated and probably more well-known, they were called Mars Hill. Their name was Mars Hill. And what they, this group of people would do is they were kind of the, they were the school board, they were the ethics committee, they were the city council, they were the philosophers, they were, they were this, this board kind of all put together of those kinds of people. And this group of people would sit at the hill called Mars Hill and they would hear the new philosophies or the new religions of the city, and they would deem whether or not they were accurate or not. And in fact, you can read in Acts chapter 17 where Paul actually stands before this group of men and speaks to them about Jesus. And this city of Athens is neighbored to the city of Corinth, and Athens and Corinth um, feed off of each other. The the Athens city uh, influences the city of Corinth. And this was the people that Paul was speaking to. People who had many religions, many philosophies, searching for truth, searching for answers. And then you have Paul, who is the most brilliant apostle, bar none, right? He's brilliant. He studied under the greatest teachers. He's memorized much of the Torah, if not all of the Torah. He knows the philosophies. He knows the Jewish religion inside and out. He's a brilliant man, right? Who better to speak to people who are intellectual than the most intellectual apostle there is? But listen to what Paul says in this verse. He says, I didn't come to you 
with persuasive words of human wisdom. Why not? That's what they wanted to hear. They wanted to be persuaded. They have all these other religions and philosophies who are coming to them trying to persuade them to come to their philosophy or their religion. That's what they want to hear. But Paul, who would have absolutely been able to argue anybody in the, in the room to the ground, says, I didn't come with you with persuasive words of human wisdom. He said, in fact, I didn't come to you with multiple messages and arguments. I came to you with one message, and that is Jesus and him crucified. But I didn't come to you with persuasive words of human wisdom. I came to you with demonstration and power that your faith would not be in the wisdom of any man, but in the power of God. We need spirit people. People who don't use their knowledge or their own human wisdom to convince people of the gospel. Let me tell you something. People have tried. The world is not convinced. We need people full of the Holy Spirit to come with demonstration and power. Amen? Now what Paul is saying here when he says, my speech and my preacher were not with, with, with persuasive words of human wisdom, he's not saying that wisdom is not necessary. Let me make that very clear. He's not saying that there's not a place of learning and there's not a place of knowledge because it goes on and it says here in, in verse six, and I'm switching translations on you. I was in New King James. This is the passion. It says, however, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. I love that line who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world or order understood it, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all those who love him. Paul isn't saying that there isn't wisdom to just throw wisdom aside and just, just go for it. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is that there is a wisdom, but this wisdom cannot be learned from any teacher on earth. This wisdom can only come by one way, and that is through the Holy Spirit. It can only be understood by the illumination of the Spirit. Why is that? Because it's a mystery, the Bible tells us. This wisdom is a mystery. It was a plan set long before the ages of the earth. It was destined to bring man into glory. It was a wisdom beyond the ability of man to understand. It's what the world calls foolish in God's eyes. I'm sorry, it's what, it's what the world calls foolish that is the message of the cross. What they call foolish, God calls wisdom because we live in an upside down kingdom, don't we? Right? If you wanna be first, you have to be 
if you want to receive, you have to give, right? If you want to live, you first must do what? Die, right? Hey, Peter, you've been fishing all night on the left side of the boat. Cast your nets to the other side of the boat. That makes total sense, right? We live in an upside down kingdom. Why can't, why does the wisdom of the kingdom have to be learned through the spirit? Because it makes absolutely no sense to the flesh. It makes absolutely no sense to the flesh. The world looks at the wisdom of God and calls it foolishness. And therefore, you cannot learn of the wisdom of God through the flesh. You can only learn the wisdom of the kingdom through the spirit. So Paul isn't saying there's not wisdom. He's saying there's a wisdom beyond the flesh, beyond the ability of man to comprehend on their own. And there's only one way to walk in that wisdom, and that is through the Spirit. We have to become people of the Spirit. Amen? He says things never discovered before or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine. Things not seen or heard by human, human people. These are the many things God has in store for those who love him. That should get us excited right there. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man. These are the things God has destined for those who love him and who walk in his ways. Amen. If you walk in that wisdom you can't have a world teacher. You can only receive that wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And I love this part. Who was here last week? You'll remember this from last week. Who can receive this? It tells us the spiritually mature. Right? Where, was this, where does it say that? However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. Who is the spiritually mature in the kingdom? Those who walk in the spirit. If you remember last week from Romans chapter eight, verse 14, it says, it says, um, it says something really good. It says the mature, <laughs> it says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. How are you mature in the kingdom? It's not from old age. It's not from, not from an element of wisdom or independence. You are mature in the kingdom based off of what you do with the Holy Spirit. If you have the ability to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, if you have the ability to follow the impulses of the Holy Spirit, that's what makes you mature in the kingdom. It has absolutely nothing to do with age. Maturity in the kingdom has nothing to do with age. I know eight-year-olds who are more spiritually mature in the kingdom than 80-year-olds. Because maturity, maturity in the kingdom has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with what you do with the voice of the Holy Spirit. With what you do with the, with the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that you can only... Only here, it's only the mature ones, the ones who are led by the Holy Spirit, who are able to tap into the wisdom of the kingdom. If you are not walking in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, then the, then the gospel will seem foolish to you because it doesn't make sense to the flesh. Amen? 
So Paul is not saying that wisdom and knowledge and learning is not important. He's just saying that there's a higher wisdom and knowledge and learning, and that is through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's look now in verse 10. Verse 10, it says, But God now, I love these verses. They're highlighted like crazy in my Bible. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by what? A teacher? By the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his innermost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. What is that saying there? That, that's kind of bizarre language that it's using. It's, it's saying that, that, that I, can't, I can't go into Buzz Charles and, and understand what makes him tick, right? I, can't, I don't understand why he does what he does from the outside. It's only from the inside. It's only his spirit that truly knows the motivation of his heart. So what it's saying here is that, that in order to understand the heart of the Father, there's only one way to do that, and that is through the voice of his Spirit. Because it's only his Spirit that fully understands the motivation and the heart of the Father. So it's through the illumination of the Spirit that we understand the heart of the Father. So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God. So that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities and words imparted to us by what? By the spirit and not with words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit, for they make no sense to him. Listen to that. Those living on an entirely human level, living completely on the flesh and not in tune with the Holy Spirit, they cannot understand the revelations of God. for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. They are only discovered by the illuminations of the Spirit. So how do we, how are the revelations of God understood? Through good preachers and teachers? Not always, right? Are they through good Bible studies? No, only through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Let me really mess with the religious spirit in the room this morning. You ready? I would even say that the revelation of God is not even discovered solely through Scripture. That it takes the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to illuminate the revelation of the scriptures. Scripture, divorce of the spirit will profit you nothing. Why? Because the revelations of God are only given to you through 
the Holy Spirit. Let me prove it to you. There are hundreds of thousands of people that have read the Bible. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, probably you could even say millions of people who have read the Bible. And at worst, it made them more cynical to God. Have you ever ran into those people, right? Oh, I've read the Bible. I've read every word. And what did it do? It made them more angry at God. It made them more cynical towards Jesus. So at worst, reading the scripture can make you more cynical towards God. And at best, it can give you some good moral principles to base your life off of. So to really understand the revelation of scripture, it's not just about reading the book. It's about reading the book with the illumination of the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that Scripture becomes alive to you. And that Scripture begins to make sense. And the revelation that the Holy Spirit reveals to you uh, through Scripture only comes through His voice. Amen? And listen, this is coming from somebody who loves the Scriptures. Right? I grew up reading the Bible and studying the Bible, and I don't ever plan on stopping anytime soon. But the only way to get the revelation from scriptures is through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this is not a history book, right? This isn't a history book. There's history in it, but it's not a history book. This isn't a scientific book. This isn't a book of poetry. This is a spiritual book. And it can only be understood through the illumination of the Spirit. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit. For, listen, the Holy Spirit is on us for more. We talked about it this morning, Sunday school class. Speaking in tongues, as wonderful as that gift is. So many people have, have delegated the power of the Holy Spirit to one gift. Hey, so much more than that. So much more than that. We need the Holy Spirit to even understand the revelations in Scripture. Paul says, once again, my speech and my preaching are not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of what? Power. So the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, but it also does something else. Were you flexing there or were you stretching? I look up and I just see this. I'm like, yeah, he's got it. That's right. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. I was watching a video the other day on Facebook and it was, it was titled Trash Talking Gone Bad, right? If you ever Google trash talking gone bad, you'll see some pretty funny stuff. Um, but this particular video, there was this boxing match between a, a, a man named, some of you may know him, Mike Tyson, right? It's Mike Tyson versus this other guy who I had to look up his name because you remember Mike Tyson, but you don't remember this other guy. His name was Hurricane Peter. Does anybody know Hurricane Peter? Anybody? That's what I thought. Nobody, right? Hurricane Peter and Mike Tyson had this match. 
right? And, and Hurricane Peter in, in all of the interviews just trash-talked Mike Tyson, talking about how easy it was going to be to beat this man. And my favorite, I don't even understand this. He said, he's like, I'm going to wrap him up in my cocoon. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to wrap him in my cocoon. He just kept saying that over and over again and talking about how just pathetic of a fighter Mike Tyson was, right? Then they step into the ring together. Remind you, this whole time, at least in the video, the whole time, this guy's running his mouth, and what is Mike doing? Just sitting with this little smile on his face, right? They step into the ring. The bell dings. Within seconds, Hurricane Peter is on his butt already. (laughs) Within seconds, the fight lasted a total of 89, not minutes, 89 seconds, right? Why? Because you can talk all you want, but at the end of the day, When you're in the ring, your mouth doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the demonstration of power. Mike didn't need to say anything. He didn't need to say anything. Why? Because he had power. He knew that if he stepped into that ring, he had the ability to not just run his mouth and talk about what he can do, but to demonstrate what he could do. And this is the kingdom Ladies and gentlemen, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I could come and run my mouth to you all day and you would, be, you would be amazed at what I could say to you. But none of that matters because you want what you need is a demonstration of power. You need to see the Holy Spirit is real. Those people at Corinth heard arguments all day long. But how many of them came with the demonstration of the power they talked about? How many of them came with an example of what they talked about? I don't care how much scripture you have memorized. I don't care how well you can argue your theology. I don't care how well you can articulate a message or a sermon. And guess what? The world doesn't care either. What I care about is do you have power? Do you have power? Don't tell me how good God is, show me. Don't tell me how much he loves, show me how much he loves. I don't need you to read me scriptures about Jesus healing people. I need you to show me the power that he had. I need you to show me that you actually have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, quickening your mortal bodies. I didn't come to you with my speech and preaching with persuasive words of human wisdom. I came with demonstration and power. And this is what the world needs. Not better programs, not better messages, not more well-articulated messages. Thank God the world doesn't need more articulate messages because it doesn't get much better than this, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) The world needs power. The world needs to see that your life has been transformed. 
The world needs to feel the love of God coming from you. They don't need to hear John 3.16 once again. They need it to demonstrate it to them with the power of the Holy Spirit. They need to see that he is real. And guess what? It's your job to demonstrate it. It's your job to walk in it. The world doesn't need more religion. The world needs people full of the Holy Spirit that are coming with the message of Christ. I'm going to preach one thing, and that is Jesus and him crucified. And then I'm going to demonstrate to you what the love of God looks like. This is the gospel. This is how we change the world. This is how we change the world. But what tends to happen is when we have lack of power, when we have lack of not able to demonstrate or show what has happened on the inside of us, we begin to compensate with other things. We rely on our own human wisdom and our own power. There's many churches who operate in their own wisdom and power. And because they're not operating in the wisdom from the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Holy Spirit, they have to compensate with smoke and lights and bigger production and marketing strategies. They get their leadership principles, and I'm not making this up, they get their leadership principles from guys like Steve Jobs and Warren Buffett and Elon Musk, and they somehow try to say that Paul and Elon Musk are actually talking about the same thing. They're not. And I love Elon Musk. Don't get me wrong. He's awesome. They have ministry consultants. This is a real thing. Sneak into their church to evaluate what makes people uncomfortable. To give them a scorecard on how good their service was. See, when you don't have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to compensate with all of these other things. And what do you get? You get a beautiful jar that's empty. You get a great production. You get smoke and lights and and, and a great speaker that can entertain the masses, but there's no transformation. But Paul comes and he says, my speech and my preaching, they're not flashy. I'm not going to try to persuade you. I'm just going to come and demonstrate to you the power that has changed my life. We need to be people of the Spirit. The way to change the world is not through our own wisdom or our programs or as Ian Bounds says, our machinery. We change the world because we have the wisdom of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. How do we get there? How do we get there? I'm gonna go through these fairly quick here this morning and maybe we'll, we'll pick up and talk a little deeper about them next week. But how do we get there? How do we become people of the Spirit? Well, first of all, I just want to say you are people of the Spirit. 
If you've accepted Jesus in your heart and you're living for him, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And there's so many believers who have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them and they're letting the Holy Spirit lay dormant because they don't know what's on the inside of them. They don't realize the power that is laying dormant on the inside of them. What did we, we, we mentioned this last week. You can only walk in what you have revelation of. You can only walk in what you have revelation of. So if you don't know that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you, you won't be able to operate in it. So how do we get there? First, I'd like to say through worship and prayer. It was why the disciples were together in one accord in the upper room. Praying, interceding, worshiping. It was in that place that it says that a rushing mighty wind came into the room. That the earth was shaken and they began speaking in other languages, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Another example, after Peter and John were arrested and questioned by the Sanhedrin after they healed the man at the gate called Beautiful, it says that they were released from that questioning, from that prison, and they came to a house where other believers were gathered. When they got to that house, it says that they began rejoicing and praising God, and they began praying for a deeper, more, uh, more bold presence in the community. And it says that as they began worshiping and praying, it says that the house that they, were shake, that they were in was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in the place of worship that as we behold him, we become what we behold. So how do we become spirit people? We spend time in worship, beholding his beauty. We spend time in prayer, interceding with, the, with the, our, our partner, the Holy Spirit. You know, my, my prayer and worship life, I've started just intermingling. My worship looks a lot like prayer, and my prayer is starting to look a lot like worship. How do we become spirit people? We start with worship and prayer. Worship him, it says, in spirit and in truth. And I love this. Maybe you don't know what to pray. How many of you have ever been there? Maybe you're, you're hearing me this morning. You're like, where do I even start in prayer? I don't even know what to pray. Even better. Even better. Because it tells us in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. So Josh, I don't know what to pray. What do, what do I even pray? Don't worry about it. Just go to the place of prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you and with you. Third, and I'll close with this this morning. And I think honestly, this is one of the most important avenues and ways that we become people of the Spirit. And it's this. We become convinced of who we are. Not hopeful, not knowledgeable, but convinced. And who does the scripture say we are? Let me read it to you. 
The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided we accept his suffering as our own. How do we become people of the Spirit? We become convinced of who we are, which is the sons and daughters of God. We become convinced that we are not just some sinners saved by grace, that God decided just to redeem. No, 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 no. You're more important than that. You're not just some, some, uh, some lost puppy that God had mercy on. No, you are a son and a daughter of God. You, you share in the perichoresis, the circle dance of the Father, Son, and Spirit. You have relationship. The same relationship the Father, Son, and Spirit share with one another, you are invited into that relationship. And as we come into that revelation of who we are in Him, we begin to operate like he operates. And he operated not with wisdom of men, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We've got to become convinced of who we are. We got to become convinced of our identity. Amen. Let's stand together. Jesus, we honor you this morning. Father, I pray that you would grace us all in the room to step into maturity, spiritual maturity, that we would become people of the wind, people of the spirit, those who are in tune with the impulses, with the leading of the Holy Spirit, Father, that our wisdom would not be in any man, would not be in any educational system, but Father, that our wisdom would be in the Spirit of God. God, that you would teach us. It says in, in 1 John, it says, you don't even, you have no need of anyone to teach you because you have the greatest teacher of all, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Father, that we would begin to learn from the great rabbi, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, that you would give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, that you would teach us the mysteries of the kingdom. The things, the things that were destined long before the ages of the earth. God, that we would begin to learn those things through the Holy Spirit. And Father, that we would begin to operate in demonstration and power. God, that the world is hungry not for another religion. The world is hungry not for more, more, more theology, as important as all of that is. God, the world is hungry for the demonstration of that theology. 
They want to see the power and not hear about it anymore. Father, I pray that you would grant us all permission to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. God, that we wouldn't just talk about the love of God, but God, we would be able to demonstrate the love of God. Real quick, I, I just want to tell this real fast story, just, just of what I'm talking about, because, because you can hear this and think that it's, that it's some kind of, kind of uh, out there looking thing, some mysterious thing. The other day I was at Colonial Oaks and I was, I was praying over one of the staff members there. She had some different things going on uh, in her life. She was asking prayer for, for different things. And, um, and, and to be honest, I wasn't feeling uber spiritual at the moment, right? And uh, so I, I asked, okay, well, let's go ahead and just pray together. And we bowed our heads and we prayed. And, and I was stumbling over my words in the prayer. It wasn't very eloquent. It wasn't very great. I didn't feel this super abundant anointing just resting on me, right? Nobody was falling out in the spirit. It was nothing like that, right? Just super simple prayer. I didn't think anything of it. In fact, I thought it was a pretty, pretty rough prayer. But we open our eyes and I look up and there's tears streaming down this woman's face. She just looks at me and goes, wow, that was, that was amazing. That was amazing. She's just crying and she ends up leaving uh, to go get a Kleenex. And she, I, I pass by her in the hallway and she stops me again. She was like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't even describe what just happened. It was amazing. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like to be spirit people. It doesn't make, turn you into Billy Graham, right? It doesn't turn you into some major huge evangelist. No, no, no. It partners with you and your humanness. And it empowers you that even if you're stumbling all over your words, there's power in it to change those around you. So Jesus, we pray for that power to rest on us, that we would be people of the Spirit. We honor you in that today, Lord. God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.